Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be with you on this second Sunday of Advent, and we have a number of people that are sitting here on both sides of me here at, uh, on our campus at First Church of the Nazarene. About 1,500 years ago, a volcano erupted over Iceland, and uh, I've actually watched a little bit about this on YouTube just to learn more about it. Uh, some people say that it was probably 200 times larger than the volcano that erupted at Mount St. Helens. It was huge. It just went right up into the stratosphere, and it basically, all the ash and, and the magna and everything that came from that volcano uh, blocked out the sun for about a year and a half. The, the, the earth was basically enshrouded uh, in a gray darkness for about a year and a half. And so many historians have said now, this is about 1,500 years ago, and so a lot of historians have said that the year 536, because of this volcano and the darkness that covered the earth, they say that was the Annus Horribilis, and that is the worst year in human history. That's what many believe. It was the worst year, 536. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking right now. How many of you remember last New Year's Eve? What were you doing on New Year's Eve? Some of you maybe were celebrating. Uh, maybe you were just with your family in your home. And then as the clock went from 11.59 on December 31st, 2019, and it turned over to midnight, you said, Happy New Year! And we all were expecting the best for the year 2020. Some observers are saying that 2020 might actually be the worst year ever for this planet because of COVID-19, for one, the uh, economic uncertainty uh, that has unfolded uh, because of it. Um, there was a lot of political upheaval this year, as you know, all over the globe, uh, not just here in Canada or in the United States. People getting sick and dying, losing loved ones because of this disease and other comorbidities that they, they talk about uh, that are related to that, people with heart disease and cancer who died because they couldn't get in to surgery quickly enough because of the COVID patients. It, it, it has just caused our healthcare workers and our politicians so much grief. Uh, there's social unrest, Black Lives Matter, the woke movement, cancel culture, all of this stuff. And there's so much division and hatred uh, out there in the world that we've just sort of become, it's become heightened in this last year. And so who knew when the clock ticked midnight at the beginning of this year what this year held in store for us? It's been a really dark period. And so at this time of year, which we call the season of Advent, the, the pain that people are feeling is often more profound. The darkness that enshrouds people's lives feels even worse at this time of year. Um, I remember the, the Johnny Mathis song when I was growing up as a kid. It's the most wonderful time of the year, you know. And for many people, it's not a wonderful time. And especially this year, because we can't celebrate uh, Christmas the way we once did. So here's the question, is how do we as Christians respond at a time like this? How are you responding 
at a time like this? How should the church respond? Well, Bill Hybels, the pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, is well known for saying this. He said, the church is the hope of the world. And people will say, well, Jesus is the hope of the world. Well, that's right, but the church is his body. And so we, his people, are the hope of the world. And that means that in a time like this, God is calling us to be transformational, to make a difference, to show up where people are hurting and in need, uh, to be a light in their darkness. There's candles over here to my right. And so let's light a candle. Let's be that candle and be one little light in that darkness. Now, my wife and I, for several years now, have not celebrated Christmas the way a lot of people do. Uh, we, we just don't have a whole bunch of gifts under the tree anymore. And I'm not saying you're wrong if you do that, but we've just decided uh, if we've got money to go buy gifts, you know, for, as I like to say, for, you know, people uh, in our family and uh, friends of ours that have everything already, um, why don't we instead uh, show generosity and compassion to people who need it the most? And so we're doing that. I know many of you are doing that. Uh, we have uh, encouraged our people at this time of year to give to our Compassion Fund, and many of you have done that already. I think we're up to about a couple of thousand dollars already, and I know there's more planning on giving to our Compassion Fund. And, you know, we want to, to give to people in our community, people in our church who are in need. There's a lunch bag program with the school that we're going to help sponsor as well. But there's also random acts of kindness. So there's a lot of things you can do that are on purpose. But sometimes God will just strategically place you, um, maybe at a grocery store, in a parking lot, uh, just maybe when you're out and about shopping, maybe in your neighborhood, just a random act of kindness where if you're awake and your eyes are open, you're going to see a need, and maybe you can just give someone a, a, an encouragement uh, of some kind. And so let's pay attention this time of year. I, normally at this time of year, we're pretty busy. People would say to me uh, at Advent, because they know I'm a pastor, they know I'm a pastor, and they say, uh, boy, you must be really busy this time of year. Well, not this Christmas, because so much of what we have planned is canceled. We're not doing nearly the things uh, that we did before. Last year, I think four or five times, we went out, and I helped to lead uh, a, a number of people who went Christmas caroling. So we would go to senior, um, seniors' residences. We would go to the hospital and go up and down uh, the corridors. I would just strum on my acoustic, and we would sing Christmas carols, and people would come out of their rooms, and the staff and the doctors and nurses would often participate. I'm going to miss that this year. But it's just one of the things that we could do to bring hope uh, to people at a time like this. And so for, for Colleen and I, you know, we just want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I know many of you do, and you are. Uh, some of you are doing amazing things to bring hope. Now, the reason we do this is we want to pay it forward. Um, I have to tell you, in my life, I feel blessed. I feel truly fortunate. I didn't have the best childhood, but I have to tell you that through my adult years, and particularly after I became a Christian and a follower of Jesus, uh, I've been blessed beyond what I deserve, and I just want to pay that forward. I look around at the hurt 
um, and the brokenness in our world. And I just want to be able to make a difference, even if it's a small difference. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so the Apostle Paul said we are to shine like stars in the universe. Would you shine in the universe? I saw on the announcement video today and last Sunday, there was a little children's segment in there where it had an acronym, G-L-O-W, GLOW. Go, let's go light our world. Would you do that? Let's go light our world, particularly at this time of year. Every time God wants to do something in this world, he sends someone. Read your Bible. He always sends someone. So today I want to talk to you on a passage from John chapter 1, Gospel of John, beginning at verse 6. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. There was a man sent from God. I want to talk about that man. His name was John the Baptist. But before I do that, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think back to the beginning of your Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I want to ask you a question. What is the very first thing that God created? This is what it says in verse 2. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Darkness is not good. Why do we hang lights at Christmas time? Because we have less daylight, and it's a way to compensate for that. And we light up our neighborhoods. In John's Gospel, it talks about Jesus in the first several verses, and it tells us that in him was life, and his life was the light of the world. It's telling us that Jesus is the light of the world, and the darkness cannot overpower it. Jesus came as a light in darkness. And it's not talking here about physical light. It's talking here, it's a metaphor in the Gospel of John between light and darkness. And it's really saying that the world is and has been engulfed in moral and spiritual darkness. That's what we've been experiencing in this year, 2020. It just seems more profound now. So who was this John who came, who was sent by God? It tells us in verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, Jesus. Basically, he was Jesus' older cousin. He was several months older than Jesus, but he came as a forerunner of Jesus. He came kind of as a, as a signpost to point the way to Jesus who would follow him. He said that he himself was not the light. 
He came only as a witness to testify about the light. Now, John's purpose was limited. His purpose was, it is found in verse 7, was so that he would be a witness to testify about the light so that through him all might believe. John the Baptist had a role to play. It was so that people, when they heard his message, would believe in the Messiah, Jesus. And that's the same task that he's given to you and me. Would you be a signpost and just point the way to Jesus? Now, John the Baptist was quite charismatic. You don't have to read the Gospels too long before you realize he was, he was a pretty charismatic guy, kind of different, but... People were drawn to him, and some thought that maybe he was the Messiah. And so he had to continually remind people that he wasn't. And here we see John's humility. Um, this is what he says further on in the, in, in the Gospel of John. He says, he, meaning Jesus, has surpassed me because he was before me. And then it says, John confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. I am a voice crying in the wilderness. And then he said later, among you stands one you do not know the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And later he says, I have seen and I testify that he is God's chosen one. And then later on, when John was about ready to be martyred, to die, and he knew that his time was done, he said, he must become greater, I must become less. You see his humility there. But he had a role to play, just like you and I have a role to play. So verses 9 and 10, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, is talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, he was the creator. Read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Read Colossians 1, 15. The whole universe was created through Jesus Christ. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Here we see Jesus' identity. He was the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness. And Jesus' purpose, his mission in the world, was to be the light that gives light to everyone. That's what it says in verse 9. His purpose was to come into this world that's enshrouded in darkness and to give life and light and hope to those who are lost and in despair. So I said every time God wants to do something, what does he do? He sends someone. I'll tell you this, God sent you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has sent you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness. But then he said in the Gospel of Matthew, you are the light of the world. And let your light so shine that people may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So God is now sending you. Just as the Father sent his Son, the Son now is sending you at this time of year. So it tells us in verse 10 and 11, he was in the world, the world was made through him, but the world didn't recognize him. 
He came to his own, but they didn't receive him. Now, the world here is just talking about us, the people of the world. He came to his own people. This is the message translation of the Bible by Eugene Peterson. This is what it says. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. They ignored him. So just with a show of hands here today, how many of you in your whole lifetime have ever felt ignored or slighted? You didn't get your due. Someone didn't pay attention to you. Maybe you went up to someone and you said hello and they just looked the other way. It is painful to be ignored, and that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Here's the creator. He created all that exists. He created this universe, the stars in the sky, the sun that shines and heats the earth. He created this planet, you and me. We are his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. And yet what do we do? We worship the thing that he created, but we ignore the creator. I remember before I was a Christian, I lived 24 years of my life pre-Christian, I didn't give a lot of thought to Jesus. I didn't particularly have anything against Jesus or God. I just was busy. I was just living my life. I had my plans. I was just doing my thing. And it's not that different for most of us, I don't think. Our lives are full, particularly at this time of year. I mean, think about it. You got to make room for Black Friday. You got to make room for Cyber Monday, the two big shopping days after Thanksgiving. And then what comes after Cyber Monday? Giving Tuesday. I think that's a beautiful correction. Instead of just shopping at Christmas, let's give and maybe shop for others. So, I think the problem today is this, a lot of people just don't want Jesus. They're indifferent to Jesus. When he was born, you remember, in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem, and they're looking for some lodging. And they go to the inn, and there's no room. The innkeeper didn't recognize that this was the Messiah. He didn't know, but he gave them the stable. And no room in the inn is kind of a metaphor for us today. And so what we need to do at this time of year, instead of hurrying up and trying to get our shopping in, let's slow down and pay attention to who's around us. Now, I'm preaching to myself here. So how do we explain the fact of what it says in verse 11? He came to those who were his own, but they did not receive him. It's talking here about the Jewish people. Now, the first followers of Jesus were Jewish. The first Christians were Jewish. But those who should have recognized him and received him were the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests, and the elders of the people. They should have known. They had the education. They had the knowledge. They had all the natural advantages that so many of us never had. They had the Torah, the Old Testament, the Law, and the Prophets. But they failed to recognize him. And that's not a surprise. 
It's disappointing because Jesus did say, and I've quoted this before to you, Matthew chapter 11, where he says, he prays to the Father and he says, Father, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and have revealed them to little children. And there's a lesson here for us. Sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we're looking up into the details and we get all the education and we get all the learning and we have all the Bible commentaries. And people do this today when it comes to the second coming of Christ and they study and they study, but we miss the point so often and we miss the Messiah. How many people have been raised in Christian homes and had every advantage but then later turned away? from their Lord and Savior. But God, because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy, even while we were dead in transgressions, he made us alive with Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. The reason that I'm here today is because of God's grace and mercy. I was walking in darkness. I was stumbling around in the darkness trying to find my way. And I was lost. And so were you. But Jesus came to light our way. Verses 12 and 13 talk about this. See, even though he came to his own and they did not receive him, they rejected him. This is what it says in verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Those who believe in him are his children. It's kind of interesting. If you were to assemble a team of people. Maybe, maybe it's an athletic team. Maybe it's a team sport like baseball or football. You can choose the people who have all the best skills or you can choose the people who have all the best attitudes. What, what God was looking for in those who would follow him were those who had the attitude of humility. Those who would come before him like little children. They are the one who are the true children of God. So this is what it says. Those who became the children of God are not those born of natural descent. And really, that was a direct reverence to the natural descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jewish people. He's saying, no. Just because you're a natural descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it doesn't mean that you're in. And then he says, it isn't those who are born of human decision or a husband's will. So like if a married couple say, hey, let's get pregnant, that's called a human decision. But the people who become the true children of God are those who are born of God, born from above, or as we like to say, born again. Jesus was the one, when he was talking to 
a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. He's the one who said, you must be born again or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And what he was saying is, you need to come before the Father with childlike faith, not as a know-it-all and not as, I've got this already. But we come broken, we come bankrupt. We come having stumbled in the darkness and we bumped our head a few times and he now comes to light our way. We have to come as children. And so the whole world here is divided, is partitioned into two groups. Do you know who the two groups are in the world? It's not conservatives and liberals. It's not even men and women. The two groups are those who walk in darkness and those who walk in the light, or those who refuse to believe and those who choose to believe. So which side are you on of that partition? Which side? Don't assume, like many of the religious people in Jesus' day, that you're in because you go to church or because you give lip service. Do you truly follow him? Have you come into the light? And do you continue to walk in the light? Remember the message translation of verse 11? It says, he came to his own people, but they didn't want him. Do you want Jesus today? Do you have room for him in your life? Are your eyes open? I was thinking about it this way. Imagine, I've been lost, by the way. Anybody here ever been lost? How many of you have ever been lost? Okay, it, it's, it's frightening, especially if it's dark. And imagine that you're lost in the wilderness, as we know happens in our world, when people go hiking sometimes and they get lost and they lose their bearings. And imagine you begin to call out for help. Help! Anybody there? Suddenly, after a few hours, you hear a voice. Hello! I'm here. And they have a lantern or a flashlight. And they say, come towards the light. But in that moment, you feel a little bit uncertain. And you say, no, 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 it's okay. I'll just keep going on my own. And you fail to accept the rescue opportunity. Um, it tells us in this passage, in John chapter 1, that Jesus came as a light in the world, but people chose darkness. So many chose darkness instead of light. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid in the darkness. Why? John chapter 3 tells us, and this is what it says, verses 19 to 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The reason so many refuse to come into the light of Christ is because their deeds are evil. They're hiding something. I have found this so often with people. They're hiding something. They're living in shame. They're living with guilt. 
And rather than confessing it and coming clean and coming out into the light and letting it be exposed for what it is and then receiving the forgiveness of God and his cleansing, they continue to hide and they continue to walk in shame and guilt and fear. And you don't need to do that. Because when you draw into the light, yes, your sins are exposed. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before him. But then, you know, so you, you cannot heal what you do not acknowledge. You can't change what you do not acknowledge. Once we come clean into the light, then we become light. We become the light of the world, just like Jesus. And so I want to just end in prayer. And I want us to do three things today. And so what I'm going to ask you to do in response to this message is to pray with me. And I hope that you'll put this into action. Father, I want to ask that you would help us to not just take this passage of Scripture, this story about Jesus who came as a light in the world to drive out the darkness. Help us, Lord, not just to listen to it and think of it as an interesting story, but Lord, may it transform us and may your light come flooding into our lives. And so, Father, it tells us in your word that he, though he created the world, the world did not recognize him, didn't recognize him. The innkeeper did not recognize that this was the Messiah. As our heads are bowed in prayer right now, will you recognize him? Will you say, Lord Jesus, I seek you with all of my heart. I pray that you would open up my eyes so that I would recognize you and that I would know that you are who you said you are, that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the light of the world. Second, it says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Those who should have known, his own people, the people of Israel, so many rejected him. They did not receive him. But to those who received him and who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So God doesn't care about your pedigree. He doesn't care about your titles. He doesn't care about your education. He's looking at your heart, your attitude. Would you receive him right now? That's a, that's a term of hospitality when you receive someone into your home. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. He's standing at the door. He's knocking. Would you receive him? Just say, Lord, I receive you. I believe in you. So recognize him. Receive him. And then the third thing is, now you have the light and you are the light of the world. And so shine for Jesus. Go light our world. You're a witness. 
You are here in order to testify to that light so that people would believe in him. How can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Every time God wants to do something in this world, he sends someone. And so would you say right now, Lord, send me. Just say it. Lord, send me. Let's go light our world. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to live transformational lives and to bring hope in the midst of despair. Help us to go light our world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.